Tune in for an exclusive and permanent deal just for you. Get ready to immerse yourself in nature with an ongoing offer of 20% off all Strawberry Cough feminized cannabis seeds, exclusively designed for our valued podcast listeners. When you head over to homegrowncannabisco.com and use code COUGH20 at checkout, that's C-O-U-G-H-2-0. It's time to embrace the power of nature and embark on a growing experience like no other. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Season 2 of Grow Weed at Home. Gua! And before I introduce our illustrious guests, I just want to mention what a great uh, Season 1 we had um, with Ricky Williams and uh, Mr. Grow It. And uh, who else did we have on? Derek Gilman. Derek Matthew uh, Gates. Gates. Not the politician. Not the politician. Um, Sync Angel, and so we learned. We, we we had a lot of fun, and so we're planning ep, uh, We're planning season two to be just as much fun, even more. So I want to introduce to you my guest today is Kelly and Josh of Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us today. It's a huge blessing for us and an honor to be in your space and to be talking to home growers out there. Yeah, we're so honored to be here today. Thank you so much for asking us to be on the show. And I feel like we've been sort of like doing a lot of energy together. And now is our time to really sit down and connect. So um, we're really excited about this show today. Thanks so much. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like I feel like uh, in a way like we're old friends. Um, I think we ran into each other once a long, long time ago on one of the circuits, but never really never really got down and sesh together or anything, um, but we're on the same path, uh, trying to educate home growers. Um, that's my main focus these days, you know. There are so many great growers out there, and yeah. that's a great thing, right? And uh, you know what? I've got this bong in my hand that I've been holding for the last 30 minutes, and so I got a fresh bowl of some uh, doggone sour, which is a, uh, an old subcool strain, and uh, I say we just start this off with a nice little blessing to some of our fallen comrades and the people we, that, that left us a little too early, like Subcool and Jack and Frenchie. Let's toke up. Go ahead. I just smoked the screen out, everybody. Behind me, for the first time, I'm doing an episode actually in my home garden. As you can see. How, how nice is it to have that kind of environment in your home? And I think that homes often have good house plants, but when you can mix that with a medicinal plant as well, I mean, that's really like a, a real blessing for us nowadays. This right here, this is the strawberry cough. Wow. Wow. Amazing. This is her. This is one branch on my little strawberry cough plant. And uh, boy, has that plant been a blessing. Shared it with so many people. Um, it's we have smoked. still my favorite daytime smoke. I'll smoke it every time given a choice. And, uh, yeah, so just here we are in this wonderful garden. And so I'm going to give a little bit of a background of what I know of you guys. To me, um, you guys, uh, really are legends in the community. Um, you're very well known and very well respected. And, um, you know, it's consistency. 
You know, you guys have been around for decades and um, you've always preached clean living and clean cultivation. And that's where we just, you know, we completely overlap. And so I, I want to, first I want to ask you, where did you, where does the name Dragonfly Earth Medicine come from? How'd you come up with the name? We had a mentor named Niels Peterson way back in the day when our son was born in the, in the mid nineties, who was a super protector of us and our community, made food, got medicine to the community, his old Grateful Dead family, you know, since 1973, went to all the shows. And he was part of our Oregon Country Fair community in Eugene. And he died suddenly at 39 years old. And we were all just really, in a way, devastated because we weren't ready for something like that. And we were just surrounded by dragonflies. And everywhere we went, we were just surrounded by like a dragonfly just coming and just like buzzing right in your face and then just cruising. And everywhere we would go in the world, there was dragonflies. And we just felt like they were a magical spirit that was kind of guiding us through this, this world. Yeah, and they represent illusion. And they're an insect that has been around for millennium. And they're also the highest flying insect. And they migrate longer than any bird on the planet or any other insect on the planet. They catch these upper waves where there isn't even any oxygen and they'll fly from continent to continent. So they're also like very alluring because they'll fly backwards and forwards and they eat all of their prey in the air. So they're really incredible, you know, hunters and, and fighters. And we thought about that, like we're real activists as well. And we want to, we, we like the idea of being international and being all over the world and, and flying from and maybe being elusive because we come from, you know, the deep, you know, market and we've been around for a long time. So elusiveness and illusion was important to us at the beginning, as you know. So that's the story. How does it feel? How does it feel to have been able to shed that, um, you know, the whole underground thing, you know, and to be just a legitimate outspoken part of not just our community, the community? It's spectacular and, and, and we are grateful for it. And I feel like um, it's also part of what drives us to want to do good. Because if we've been given this opportunity, then we have a duty to follow through, you know, and continue proper teachings and continue inspiring someone because now we have a platform to use our voice and to share our story. So now it really, you know, if you talk about the bell curve, now everyone's learning really fast together. And we never really prescribed to secrets. We always felt like, you know, sharing information and education didn't matter even if it was about products or recipes we felt like if you share things then everyone's coming up together and then it's just on you to make a better product or something that's going to sell for the community absolutely rather than go the whole legal copyright protecting trademark and thinking you're going to have something you can take to the bank for the rest of your life or something i subscribe to all of that as well and um so we got some deep stuff we're going to talk about here, at least for me anyways. So I want to kind of start at the beginning, 
which is probably a good idea. And so will one of you give me a, uh, a beginner's definition, a brief definition of, you know, you know, comprise the living soil permaculture ideology and give me a, a, a little bit of a definition of that. Well, when we talk about regeneration, that means that everything that goes into a system is regenerating. There's nothing, it becomes a closed loop, that every bit of energy that you put into it, every bit of money that you put into it, whatever compounds that you put into it, ingredients that you put into it, is going into a system of regeneration. And the idea of even us as living beings, we are closed loop, energetic, regenerative beings, and we're dynamic in this incredible ethos that we walk through and the water that we drink and the earth that we step on. And if we take that same sort of systematic um, interjection or, or, you know, coming together or ideology, then you realize that that same sort of thing is happening in soil, that same sort of thing is happening in the room that you're in right now. Even when we walk into a space, uh, a new space, we're creating something that is a vibe, that is an energy. And in soil building or in room building or in creating medicine for yourself or a grow for yourself, the idea of and the heart space of regeneration should always be at the very forefront of your thoughts. What I'm bringing in, how long is it going to last? Is it going to regenerate the plants that I'm working in? Will it regenerate the money that I'm spending on it? Is it going to regenerate the feelings and the vibe that I put out to it? So it's looking at our grows, our gardens as a total ethos of with which we are so honored to get to be a part of. We often put ourselves first and at the top and that whatever we have ideas for our garden, you know, that that's the most important. But when you look at things in a regenerative model, then you realize that every single thing that's put there is of equal value and has equal dynamics. I'm going to take a hit for that. And there's uh, lots of different ways to make soil, and we've seen a lot of those transformations over the years. We've got we we've been together since 1993, and we've been in Eugene, Oregon, during the whole 90s, where there was a revolution of organic farming and composting. Elaine Ingham was at OSU up in Corvallis. Everyone was learning how to compost mushroom growing at the time. Underground psychedelic mushroom growing required composting. So everyone who was growing underground mushrooms at the time, proper ways to do it was to make compost and to make it very aerobic and to, to you know, make it a dynamic living soil, but also to burn out the pathogens because in fungal cultivation, you know, it's all about uh, competition uh, of fungal matter. So there was a lot of knowledge about composting happening, but that was also at a time when people on the indoors were, uh, you know, making a lot of soil and putting in all, all these new 
ingredients and amendments and there was the whole super soil movement and what you said before subcool and all that stuff and things that you produced and everything about soil and we've been on that, that train for a long time and then we you know started discovering just the magic of just hugo culture and fermenting and and growing out of the earth when you can grow out of the earth it's magical and we understand that a lot of people indoors make their soil and they have tents that's beautiful too so we're trying to bring that dynamic beauty of nature and mimic it indoors and we've helped a lot of people bridge both gaps and indoor growers move outside and talk about what it's like outside so that's a, a small bit of journey on on the soil I think yeah. I think I kind of I'm sitting in kind of like a hybrid I, hybrid room in the sense that I've I definitely my soil is definitely alive um, but it's also supercharged so yeah. it's kind of like a hybrid system and this is kind of where I wanted to go with the discussion so but I don't want to I don't want to go too fast because we don't have to go fast we have we have all the time we need so nice so um, I mentioned a little bit about Hugel a couple of shows back. I had no idea. Um, I, I basically just read a few paragraphs before I mentioned it. And um, that has to do with um, composting various, just pretty much anything organic, um, right? Um, and turning that into a rich, fertile uh, compost, would you call it? Soil. A soil. When yeah, when you're in a layering system like that, whether it's a Hugo culture or whether it's in pots inside or whether it's in a bed inside, you can still do a layering system, which is the primary basis of what a Hugo culture is. And it's just mimicking what nature does with the season. It drops the leaves, it drops the sticks, then it drops the green matter because it gets dry and then the rains come. And it's just this idea of layering in your beds and that it, it makes different striations basically of soil with which the, the roots get to find different nutrients. They get to find different dynamics of times and temperatures of the breakdown. So it, it, it really allows uh, the roots of the plants to sort of find the environment that it's looking for. And I know you've got probably an addition to that. Uh, you know, Hugo culture is high carbon. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's bringing in wild fungi and that's a main function of it because it, it means it's a, it's a German term or a Bavarian term. When the, so when you say it brings, it's, it's high carbon, uh, the carbon gets turned into nitrogen and such, or is it the other way around? So Hugo culture, it means hill culture in German or, or mound culture. So it's, it's about mounding trees and branches and high wood, carbon, hay, carbon. It's not nitrogen. The carbon nitrogen ratio that we make for a super soil this is a whole different style of concept. There's Hugo culture indoors and Hugo culture outdoors. So we can focus our attention to either one. What Kelly was saying is that we work on making striations and layers indoors in beds. If you're gonna make a grassroots fabric pot bed or possibly make your own bed because it's nice to encourage roots to grow together when you can. There's reasons why you make pots and all that. But if we're talking about Hugo culture, it's about beds. 
and the carbon in the end is, is high carbon, but it's the transformation over years that creates fertility. It's not that it's stealing nitrogen. So there's always that thing that we always learn before, oh, we're putting in too much wood or too much wood chips or sawdust and it's stealing the nitrogen. That's not necessarily the case because you can have nitrogen layers up towards the top, just like in the, in, in the, in the old growth, the top part of the soil is the most fertile, the most biologically active part of the soil. It's the hyphae down and the roots down that suck out of the water table and suck out of the minerals. They excrete minerals out of the bottom. Rocks sink, branches sink. If you, any old growth forest, there's trees underneath the massive mother trees. The, the, the land is mounded, it's underneath. So you, you, when you make a Hugo culture bed indoors or outdoors, you're thinking 10 years ahead, five years. But it doesn't mean your first cycle isn't going to be good. Your first cycle will be good, but it will continue to improve over and over through the course of years. We have greenhouses. We so have, we have is, it, is, it, is it, are you literally trying to achieve a place where, um, where the, the soil is so fertile that um, you don't amend at all? Does yeah, that happen? Yeah. So we're basically already in that system. We've been living at our farm. This was our 16th season at uh, this farm. And it was on a mountainside southwest facing, total rocky. There is really a very, very small layer of soil, which maybe just grass and some other little duff things are in. So every bit of soil and all of our gardens, we've had to do this Hugo culture, the layering method, nature growing, the idea of just over mulching, mulch, 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 anything that you can bring into the garden, mulch it because we wanted to keep as much nutrients and as much layering from our own property so that we're not bringing anything in from the outside. If we brought anything in, it was from our neighbor. We figured that was a really similar, same biome, so that there was no competition, that the microbiology already knows each other. It's sort of like getting a community gathering together. Everybody's like, hey, how you doing, Bob? Yeah, I'm doing really good, Will. Everybody knows each other because they're in the same sort of group and area. And now all of our greenhouses and our gardens are about three to three and a half feet deep of soil, sometimes even more. And we have not amended now for about four to five years, six years almost now, right? Yeah, we and haven't amended anything. For, we're known as tea people. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, we brought fermenting teas out of, we, our whole thing was plants feeding plants. We were using plants and bushes and trees and the first, the first thing, my first foray into organic gardening was making my own uh, teas as well. Yeah. This yeah. was before there was ever a hydro store that existed. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't, um, general hydroponics didn't exist. Right. So right. not I that I would have used it, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've actually never really done 
any indoor gardening at all. We've only ever maybe kept mothers at times, very small amount of indoor gardening. We do a lot of consultation and a lot of love work in other people's gardens. But we've really been blessed to always have land, have an outdoor garden, have a gorilla grow back in the day um, that we always could really do our work. We would grow our babies and start everything indoors, you know, all of that. But And we've helped consult, you know, yeah. thousands of indoor growers because yeah. you, we were there in the beginning and we just kept answering people. So we've always helped indoor growers, but our thing is that we live on the land. and Run, off a, quick, run off a quick list. You can share it half and half. How many different types of plants you're growing on your pro on your farm? Oh well, there we we have we have elderberries, goji berries, sea buckthorn, blueberries, many different kinds. Blackberries, raspberries, black cap raspberries, black cap raspberries, many we, different kinds of cherries, twenty different kinds of apple trees. Um, we have pears, plums. St. John's wort. We grow thousands of pounds mullen. of our own winter squash, thousands of pounds of our own potatoes. We have pepper. We have greens. We have salad. We save all of our own flowers. We grow tons of marigolds, zinnias, Mexican cosmos, uh, regular cosmos, or no, Mexican sunflower. Dahlias. Cosmos, dahlias. <laughs> we, we, go do. To, we go to the supermarket because reality is that you don't you really don't grow everything. we go for rice we go for our oils we go for our dairy products because we really want to start integrating a cow i have really been wanting to have a cow here and then we could be working on hard cheeses and not be doing year-round milking but just do seasonal milking so that would be really nice to someday be making all of our own hard cheeses and I think that's very near in the future and that will really stop. So we'll be able to get some of our milk there because, you know, we drink cocoa, we get organic milk from the local people around here. We're still getting our butter from local people. Tons so. of different mushrooms and medicinal yeah. mushrooms that grow that we make medicine out of and we make on our, at our home. We have gallons of medicinal mushrooms around and, and what different. A beautiful. Different. What a beautiful life. I'm. I'm I'm buzzing. I'm I'm like I'm radiating from within hearing all this. Um, I'm really happy for you guys, and uh, it's really nice that uh, you share. You share your your knowledge and your information and your energy. Um, you know, um, there's not a lot of there's not a high percentage of people of listeners who are going to be able to achieve a lifestyle like that. Um, and so, nonetheless, it's really nice of you to share it online and uh you know to make a line of products as well you know a line of uh, nutrients teas and things like that my next question is so so with all of this knowledge you guys have got you guys are for real right everybody's listening right where these people are for real um so how does that translate into um specifically not uh your own cannabis gardening how does that translate into you uh then what have you learned that you pass on to home growers like myself nice you know? oh well first of all i want to say just back at you kyle you are absolutely at every event at every opportunity you're educating people very openly You've always had this beautiful, open energy about you to want to share 
There is not one person in the industry that has a negative thing to say about you because you just continue to trudge forward on just open information and sharing. So I just really wanted to give that to you in thanks and gratitude first. And then to answer the next question, I think for me, I would take, um, instead of taking like a real uh, step by step, which Josh might want to do, I really want to say, first of all, nobody grows medicine for you better than you. Nobody grows medicine better for you than you. And also we talk about cannabis medicine, but we don't talk about what medicine is. And when you grow your own, you have the ability for energy exchange, spiritual exchange, language exchange. You're giving another, you know, something that is going to be able to heal you. You're giving it your energy exchange. So when you're growing your own flower and you're putting things into it, aside from whatever nutrients you put in it, aside from what it takes to do a grow, just energetically, you're then receiving what you've given to the plant. So that in and of itself is huge. And people are being healed so much just by growing their own plant And we will forever wave the flag and hit the pavement and make sure that there's rights for home growers because this small piece of information, that medicine coming from your own home and yourself is the best medicine. And no Kelly, Kelly, you, 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 you couldn't, you couldn't state it. You couldn't overstate it because you know what it reminds me, reminds me of. It reminds me of when I smoked my first joint in Amsterdam and it brought me to tears and I felt like I was smoking. All these thoughts, your first legal joint, you're not going to get a, re- wow, it could be like this all the time. You could feel like this all the time and you cry, you know? And then you produce your own medicine for the first time. Yes. It, it, it never doesn't get old, does it? No, no. It's, it's like a story or a friend or a family member that you get to continue to interact with and uh make and the family grows the family grows somehow it seems like you know we find people who don't have access to it and you want to trade with them and share with them and the next thing you know the butcher's doing extra special favors for you or sorry i'm not vegan (laughs) and it's a sentient being and that's what's beautiful like the why you can grow you're the one who grows the best medicine for you because you're growing a plant that's forming itself in front of you it's creating itself based off frequencies and the love that you're giving it and the good vibrations or the nice music. Maybe you've even put a, a, a mushroom block in there that's going to grow reishi or lion's mane and now you have medicinal mushrooms and cannabis together. It's, it's the, it's, it is a gateway drug. It's a gateway to health and well-being. <laughs> exactly. This that. smell right here. Oh, it's oh. just... Oh. So... Maybe. One thing that I would, I would advise to the home grower that we see probably more than anything is just broad mites and russet mites still. And it's very hard to identify for some people that are not really well adapted to, to seeing the, the, um, 
uh, markers on the leaf. And so a lot of people would say, oh, you're low in calcium because you have the yellowing coming in on or the edge of the leaf. Or, or it seems like you, 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 you know, you, it was always like, oh, we can grow weed. You know, it was, it's a beautiful plant. It's easy. And nowadays, even growers that have been growing forever are like, why can't I grow this, this herb? It's like, we got the late, you know, the hemp latent virus and all these mice. And it seems like it's just hard now. You have to be like super Johnny on the spot to make a good garden go. But russet mites and broad mites, just turn the leaf over and look with your new telephones and zoom in. You're not going to see a living mite. You're only going to see the little eggs, which in some cases look like trichomes. And Kelly, you can get on, on this deeper. Um, a lot of the leaves that are constricted uh, along the edges in or the tips curling in or when the plant goes into flower and it doesn't quite make a flower in the beginning are all signs of russet or um, broad mites. And I think what Josh is saying is that unfortunately, you know, these are things that we need to look at first when you're starting to question yourself on why is this garden not working? It looked so great. Blah-dee, blah-dee. I think that it goes with that beautiful old saying of let's look for the horses in the field rather than the super rare zebras that might not be there. So the horses in the room are let's just check for pests first because there's so many of them. And then next, let's just like, that's what I always tell people. And I think that we probably get about probably 30 a day photos from people on our DM, which I'm so happy to answer. I'm so honored. That people yeah. And, and the first thing, and I would say 98 to 99% of the time, I say you have broad mites, you have russet mites, check that first. And people just don't know. And then they're so thankful because then everything that they're putting into the soil, once you get rid of those, you know, then the gardens can keep going and being of health. So what Josh was saying is when the leaves lie really flat and they're real open and they're not constricted at all and they're just really able to uptake everything, yes, like this. Just like that, they're not constricted at all. They all lay flat. That is a leaf that is uptaking all of the possible nutrients that it possibly can, as well as the sunlight and the ethos and the air. Do you but know? When you bugs, it constricts it. So go ahead. You know what I do very different here. I don't know if you can tell, but um, I'm a big proponent of uh, leaving leaves. So there's no nodes all the way down here where my, where my finger is. There's no node there. There's no node there. No node there. No node there. There, there, there. But I've left these wonderful, huge leaves on the outside, and they're collecting a lot of secondary light. And um, I'm not going to get into my, my grow techniques right now. I just want, kind of want I, uh I love that. I like though. that though, and it's it's a way it's integrative. of honoring the plant's fullness and the lights nowadays with the LEDs. Kind of they go in, so you don't have to be so like, oh, they're just on the end. Yeah. I like, I like well, that. I you get underneath if you get underneath the plant and you look up, and everywhere where you can actually see the light board, those are photons that are just hitting the ground. So you got you want to let your leaf canopy kind of build in there a little bit, and then they, your plants grow bigger. Um, but again, back to, I want to, uh, so, so I'm going to ask a, a really pointed question and 
it's okay if you give a really sharp answer. Okay? Fine, so, fine. what I want to know is, okay, like I said earlier on, I think I'm, I, I feel like it's, I'm doing a kind of a hybrid system where I am bringing in, I'm certainly not uh, permaculture, and I'm closer to a living soil situation, um, but what, I mean, I, I'm buying bagged soil, it's obvious, I'm buying bagged soil, okay? Um, but I'm trying to get closer to a regenerative, regenerative. And, uh, the way that I'm doing that is, um, well, I'll mention the, the nutrient that I'm using is organics alive. Are you guys familiar with organics of alive? Of course. We love We're Eric. good friends with them and, and we love, we them, love those guys. You know, Beautiful. Long time in the business together. Uh, so again, it's all carbon. There's no salts. There's no heavy metals. So I went from. My system, my Vega Matrix system was really low salt and super low, almost indetectable heavy metals to now I'm using a nutrient that is zero salts, zero heavy metals. It's basically biology. Um, yeah. It's the exoskeletons of microbes, beneficial uh, microbes that are then refined uh, and freeze dried so that it becomes NPK. It's an amazing thing. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. it's like being a salt ag farmer and being able to go. You know, next week I know my plants are going to need a, a potash boost, so I'm going to go get a sack of this nasty potash salt and I'm going to pour it into the tank and I'm going to give them a boost. Well, I can actually do that now, but without adding anything that is detrimental or poisonous or even uh, a hard carbon. Uh, uh, a high carbon input uh, as far as manufacturing. So what I want to know from you guys is, is again, just, just point at me and tell me, say, Kyle, what am I screwing up? <laughs> um, you're not screwing up anything, but you can add something that would be really great, which is just fodder for the microbiology that you're putting into your soil if you would like them to stay around longer, then adding carbon is great because you're upping your fungi population. And I would say that 100% of the gardens that are having problems that we've done consulting in, they have high bacteria and not very high fungi. And then they say, but I've been adding all my fungi. All this biology. I've I been doing it. Fungal strands are in my microscope, you know. And it's great. It's like bringing a whole bunch of cats into your house, but then not feeding them, you know. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna die after a time, so we don't want to have cats. So what do I need? Banana peels, eggshells. What do I need? Um, high carbon. You could use straw, straw. from the store, which yeah. you know, um, a lot of feed farm. I mean, that you can get straw even in the yeah. city. It's it just, it, a lot of times it it's, it's for bedding. It's it's you can use straw. And what does that what does that do for me? What it does is you can mix it in your soil as you're making it, and it allows the or biology of the tea somewhere to sit on. The biology of the tea gets attached to it, and then it's able to propagate. So what you're dealing with is a biome. You're dealing with a, with a, with a, a rhizosphere. 
So and it's with, more conducive than just say the, the various pieces of compost that are already in there and uh, large pieces of uh, uh, um, uh, peat moss and bark and you're saying you're adding another surface, you're adding more surface area. Compost is already digested. That's what makes it compost. It's pre-digested. Uh, it's, it's nutrients. You know what I mean? It's, it does have carbon in it, and there are reasons, you know, why compost makes sense. Of course, like, you, you have to have compost in there. That's your biology source as well. But without some kind of, well, let's call it raw material. That's what mulch is. It's raw material, whether it's in the form of a weed or a cover crop, which you've pulled up, and you've pulled the weed up, and you've put it on the ground. And you can My dog just ate the tips of all those leaves. <laughs> Muggsy. <laughs> you can put that leaf into the top of your soil. You know what I mean? And cover it and allow and, it. And, and will, will I benefit from that on the very first cycle? Yes, it super benefits, especially people that are seeing pathogens like in their soil. So maybe they have an overproduction of pythium or fusarium. We know that all living soil has those components already in it, just like we all have pathogens inside of our body. It's just what is your ratio? So having super aggressive fungi population inside of your your bags or in your garden help keep that pythium or anything at bay because they are so aggressive. And a bacteria really feeds a lot of the plant in sort of a super easy way, whereas aggressive fungi will consume and keep balance in your soil beds. And the only thing that they like to eat is high carbon, raw materials, raw materials. just like when you see like any kind of um, uh, mushroom or mushroom roots or hyphae. mycelium or hyphae, it grows directly on the raw material, which is the sticks. That's what's living about it. Yeah, that's so what's could living I, about, so, about So how close um, to mimicking those processes am I getting by adding, you know, a product like uh, like uh, Roots Organics, a bioforce that has all the bacteria and fungi, you know, at so many uh, CFUs, and you add a tablespoon into your water, and you're watering in a nice consortium of bacteria, endo, ecto, and, and, and fungi. It just does How close am I getting to that by, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it is similar, right? They're, we're trying to mimic that, right? It's like a human being living off juice, as opposed to having food in in a way you know because it's you need to continue that tea multiple times because it didn't stay alive it, it didn't have a certain small percentage of raw materials for it to continue living on and then you don't really need the tea as much because then you have that living and synergistic transforming situation happening in your soil. And then you don't have to add as much because you're growing your microbiology in your soil. You're growing it so you have to use way less. People are saving money, which is really important to us home as grower. home grower. Home growers, especially right now, there's not a lot of cash flowing for a lot of people, not only in- Gotta do it for the love of it. 
Yep. Yep. Everybody is feeling that. So really reducing, you know, what you have to put in is great. So when you're feeding the microbiology that you're adding, just like if you feed a whole bunch of cats that you brought into the house, they're going to reproduce super fast. You come back in a right. month. If you left a whole shit ton of food out that cats love, you're going to come back and there's going to be a shit ton more cats. But if you don't feed them, then you have to add more cats. It's the same thing as the microbiology in your, in your soil, whether it's in a pot, whether it's in a bed, you have to continue adding it. And then you're almost dumbing down the intelligence of your plant because of this. When your plant starts to not have super easy nutrients, like say an IV or maybe supplements that are giving it like quick protein, you don't have to digest it, then the plant is not sending out a lot of like, sugars and, and, and energy into the soil for the microbiology to start to be sparked. Start. There's not like a call like, hey, you guys, I need more food in here. I've got like sugar and I'm going to start to like. So you're looking at it. You're looking at it like a like a, a cycling is where if you if, if you constantly keep the plant wet all the time, well, it's not going to send out roots. You're, exactly. you're the root, and it, it might even stunt the plant. So yeah, yeah. there's there's a balance of everything. So on that note, this is a really good time to introduce a new segment that we're going to have this season uh, called Kyle's Tiles. And what that is, is my lovely wife, Susie, uh, for my birthday last year, bought me a, uh, uh, a customized blanket where I chose uh, uh, backs or fronts from T-shirts that I've been saving for the past 35 years of my life. And it's, you know, there's high times bong hitter shirts and there's normal conferences and there's tie dyes from hemp fests and, and, and just all kinds of crazy things. And um, all different conferences and um, uh, cannabis cups and things like that. And so I'm figuring that pretty much every guest is going to be able to relate to one or more squares on there. So I'm going to make this, we're going to do this uh, music. And it's going to be like the old uh, uh, game show thing where it's going to move around on the square. And then when you guys say gua, it's going to stop on one of the squares. And I'm going to tell the story that goes along with that. And then... Maybe you guys will relate to it. So cue the music. Hempfest 2002. Yeah. Nice. That's 20 something years ago. I was like this big. <laughs> no doubt no doubt that was my second year uh as a staff journalist at high times magazine so that would be my second year going to the hemp fest so that was um that was probably the year that i stayed in the beatles suite with Stephen Hager and Steve Bloom, where when you walk in the Edgewater Hotel, there's a picture of all four Beatles with their heads out the window with fishing poles out of the room that we stayed in. And, and we did the Hempfest. Of course, the Hempfest is like, like 200,000 people, 300,000 people yeah, over yeah. two or three days. Yeah, so fun. I was just a baby. 
I was. We, we had, yeah, that's amazing. 2002, we had a five-year-old child, and we were living out in the way out in the mountains, figuring out all this homestead and natural living stuff. At the we time. had a big, fat, huge gorilla grow. Good, like thousand, fifteen hundred plants. That's where would you be without our gorilla grows back in the day? You know it. You know, you know it. That's really cool. That sounds like the best gift ever to have that that uh, those tiles all in a big, beautiful blanket. It is. It's really warm, and I love that it's winter. I'm sleeping with it now, and I really love it. It's like the high time, my high times bong hitter jersey that I played in for three seasons is right under my chin when I go to sleep at night. It's very comforting. So That's rad. so good. I, I love, love that. that. Good job. Well, thank you guys for participating in Kyle's Tiles. Thank you. Are you ready to take your cannabis cultivation game to the next level? Well, hold on to your buds because we have an amazing offer just for you. Are you familiar with Strawberry Cough? This legendary strain has delighted cannabis enthusiasts worldwide with its mouth-watering flavor and uplifting effects. Lineage? Sure, let's dive into it. Strawberry Cough is a delicious cross between strawberry fields and haze. Its distinct strawberry aroma and sweet taste make it a favorite among connoisseurs. Now, here's the exciting news. We're offering a fantastic deal on Strawberry Cough feminized cannabis seeds. You'll receive 20% off your purchase on any pack size of these seeds when you use code COUGH20. That's C-O-U-G-H-2-0. That's COUGH20 at homegrowncannabiscode.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to grow your own strawberry cough. Whether you're a seasoned cultivator or a newbie looking to explore the world of marijuana horticulture, these feminized seeds will set you on the path to aromatic success. Visit homegrowncannabiscode.com today and select from their wide range of premium cannabis seeds and maybe take advantage of 20% off your strawberry cough seeds when using code COUGH20. Happy growing, folks! Get ready to savor the tantalizing flavors and uplifting effects of Strawberry Cough, a strain that deserves a spot in every cannabis enthusiast's garden. Check out homegrowncannabiscode.com now and seize this offer before it's gone. There are as many ways to grow cannabis as there are people who grow it. I've been saying that since like the first time I ever wrote anything, you know? And uh, he's like, get out of my garden, please. He thinks because I'm busy talking now, I'm in the garden, I'm sitting, he's just walking. The, the trees, my trees are now five foot six, going on five foot eight. My tent is seven foot four, so my plants can be grow to six foot tall. And uh, I'm having a really good time with this one. I finally was good to myself. I don't have 30 plants. I don't have 50 plants. I have eight plants. Beautiful. Nice. And I vegged them for nine weeks. Yes. And I transplanted them twice from one gallon to three gallon, uh, from three to five to 20. And now I thought I was going to have to water once a week, but it seems like I'm watering almost every other day. These plants are drinking uh, six, they're, they're up to about eight gallons a week. And we're only in the sec, we just started the third week of flowering yesterday. Amazing. Whoa. And and they have amazing biology just because you've added so much more soil. 20 gallons is beautiful. They're amazing flowers. These are going to be some of the largest indoor plants I've ever grown that weren't like grown in a uh, facility or a large place. This is uh, so um, I'm feeling everything you say very deeply about um, regenerative and um, 
I'm, I'm sincerely working my way there. And nothing I'm about, nothing I'm doing is, is taking me farther away from that. It's all bringing me to it. There you go. Oh, yeah. But I got Organics Alive now. And Organics, like I said, Organics Alive is literally like being able to be that, that soil scientist who measures the sun coming in during this month and can adjust the food that's going in for that week or that month or that transition from early flowering to mid flowering to late flowering to there, there's so many different phases, right? Of the cannabis plant. It's not just veg flowering, ripening, right? There's so many different phases. And I love the idea of being able to interject my chef skills. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, basically feed every time I water, okay? Mm -hmm. I give a, you know, um, I'm uh, once or twice during veg, once or twice during flowering, I'm going to hold back. It's all about what I'm feeding, what I'm giving. It's not the easiest method. But I really, 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 really like it. So what, 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 I'm, what I'm getting, I'm giving you all the background because what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, so can I still, can I, can, can I become a regenerative uh, permaculture, living soil type garden, regardless of whether I go to beds or not, doesn't matter, right? Where I'm reusing my soil mm -hmm. and still feed like a madman? Or do I have to, now give in to the cycles of nature or can I do both? Um, there's no rules. That's the beautiful thing about cannabis is that everybody has their individual gardens and how they interact with it. And their bioregion and, and what they have available to them. It's yeah. different for everyone. And that's almost like us saying... <clears throat> Well, this is how you could have a better relationship with your best friend or your partner. Like, hmm. like and you wouldn't say that, would you? That. We're not going to step in that. We're just going to tell you what works for us. We're going to be able to tell you what has worked for other people. But, you know, we don't have psychologically, a psychologically to you after hearing me say it. Does it make any sense or does it sound like I'm overdoing something or I'm trying too hard? Does it make any sense? I think that there's mad scientists all the way down to the super soil hippies <laughs> grow cannabis. And I feel like we've smoked it all. If it's organic and if it's intentional, we'll definitely smoke it. And we've had some really amazing experiences off of indoor grown, heavy duty nutrients, all the way to super outdoor grown, sun grown, high altitude. Who the heck knows what? But so you're not kicking me out of bed? No. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it can be done without any teas at all. Yeah. And that's say, just, I'm sorry, I, I stepped on you. Say, say that again, Josh. Oh, uh, it, uh, uh, plants can be grown with zero teas. 
Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just, that's just a reality. That's another So system. like if a person says, you know what, I'm going to try the soil side of things and we're going to integrate herbalism and get different trees, different leaves, different branches. We're going to get indigenous microorganisms because we know no matter what we get out of a product, it's never going to be as diverse biologically as nature. So if, if we can go on a drive and go to nature, or if we have nature on our farm, if we can incorporate that nature, that's higher biology, biological um, diversity. Mm-hmm. And, and biological diversity and plant diversity is, is a huge goal because it's, it's monocropping and, and mono, you know, everything that's, that's a problem. And can it happen in an indoor grow? We are absolutely seeing diverse, amazing, beneficial microbiology living soils now that have been happening for a long time in the rec market, in the licensed market. We've all been able to watch it. We've been seeing what's been produced from that. And now we can go and look at those soils and it has its own biodiversity. Now it's created its own gorgeous garden in the same way that we create an urban garden. We can take this slab of cement, we can chop it up, we can add an urban garden the first year, it might not, the second year, oh, it's doing, oh. But then all of a sudden, you know, nine years later, you walk by this and it's a park. It's its own ethos. It's its own amazing garden. So that's, you know, more of a regenerative side of it. What is it that you're going to create long term? <clears throat> the first drop of a ripple is awesome. But what about the 17th ripple? You want to be a 40 generation farmer, a 40, you know, like the seven generation, whatever, like there's different ways of looking at it. It doesn't make one better than the other. But if, if we've learned through mycorrhizal fungi and plants and the synergy of the plant putting enzymes and secreting oils to create an environment around it, so then it can uptake what it wants if we want to leave it up to the plant and its magical sentient being aspect, then we go to a total diverse soil. That's where we've gotten rid of pots in the industry and had people go into the for outdoors, earth. For outdoors. Yeah, totally. But like, so you, and I'm just saying like, sometimes we're talking about people growing in their backyard. And if you're growing your backyard in Los Angeles, you don't have to use a pot. You can use the backyard dirt. You can even chip your concrete out. And we've seen people do this. Chip the concrete out of their backyard and build a and bed And grow the hugest plants they ever had. Put bales of hay or even cut pallets in half and use that for a raised bed. Super low budge. You know what I mean? And then go and... It's fun to grow food underneath your plants. Like people, we've learned that, you know, that you can grow so much under the plant that, you know, food, you can be growing beets and carrots, root crops, you know, and, and greens and, and lettuce underneath your plants if possible, you know, so. I think is, is using a cover crop on these big pots is absolutely necessary if I'm going to reuse this soil, isn't it? It's a great idea. And you're going to be so stoked on your cover crop. You're going to be as excited about adding your new like friends and diversity of your little cover crop in there. And then you're realizing, whoa, 
that just really fed my soil. I can see like literally, you know, the layers and the hyphae coming up and, and absorbing it. You'll What's watch the trick? Watch What's, what, what are some of the tricks of managing a cover crop? Like uh, in my situation, you know, like in big, just indoors and in big pots, I've had cover crops before, but I'm not really uh, experienced on how to manage it. I really love the idea of allowing, you know, some of the plants to seed out. So you have always progression of your cover crops, but I really do like to pull them out or cut them down and lay them on the soil <clears throat> rather than growing them out because you're creating an environment and people say, well, these plants uptake nitrogen. They uptake nitrogen. Sure. In like That's an so outside environment, blah, 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 but you're growing it. It's coming out of your soil. It's going to become a very intentional, super intelligent plant. So when you cut it down, it knows exactly what it wants to feed and the microbes have been feeding it. So it knows what's for dinner. Those microbiology are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been growing this. We know it's for dinner. You cut it down, and then they're all like, yay, it's a feast. It's easy to find uh, cover crop mixes online. Is it really important to use a specific mix? I'd like the diversity. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that you have to be careful. It doesn't like stagnate. And also yeah. it can also be a place for the pests that you're dealing with your cannabis. They can reside on your cover crop. So I wouldn't say just growing a cover crop is magic. Like you have to use the same type of intuition okay. with your cover crop. Cover crops become green manure when you pull them up and put them on top of the soil and let the soil eat it. So part of the thing of the cover crop is to harvest the air and put it into the roots. And another part of the cover crop is to let it uh, uh, break down like on top of the soil. So there's also like matte cover crops where the whole top air soil is covered. But then there's also just growing beets and lettuce. Like salad greens don't take direct sun. They're a shade plant to begin with. I like that idea. You know, I, I just I just might like start that today. Nice greens underneath your plants and or even chard, you know that's like a, a you know a leafy green and if you like to be a science guy and you'd love to look at your plants every day then you can really get into growing microgreens as a top cover crop and you can be cutting your microgreens and be eating them and having them every day is this lovely amazing meal and you get to and the plants are stoked on them too i have one thing i just really quickly to that sorry but is like there's mulching and then there's cover cropping. And some people are like, oh, I have too much mulch. I'm going the mulch route because there's a, so much mulch sometimes on the top of the soil that you can't grow anything out of it. Well, you could have That's a, a nice ratio. Yeah. So I'm just saying like you can have an extra pot or another thing around where you just all excess vegetation goes into a pot and becomes a worm farm on the side. There's like a magic to the top of your soil like there's reasons why there's too much mulch on the indoor tent you know so maybe you're just doing uh the cover crop and then it turns into mulch you know so, so there's there's different ways but if you want to do a high mulch you could grow like i said before like beets or carrots or something as a whole in the mulch you know so those are just a few different concepts and, and an amazing mulch is if you're going to wash all of your plants and you're going to turn it all into resin 
then hash. everything that you wash in your hash, you can either dry it for the next top of your soil or you can mix it in raw with your soil. So that's a beautiful intentional closed loop. So then all of the nutrients, like what you were just saying, that you add every single watering are going back into your soil because all those nutrients are fully locked up in the flowers that you just use to extract the resin. And also all the water that you've mixed your hash with can be saved and put into a tea for your gardens just as is, or you can bubble it for sure. Bubble it, absolutely. you know, but like hash water is an amazing nutrient shit. for your plants. It's the shit. Don't let it Hash water. What do, you, what do you mean? The bubble water? Making ice. Oh water. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. When you drain the water out of it, it's a nutrient tea. Oh yeah. yeah they'll sell if, if if they had that in Jamaica, they'd sell it by the side of the road for like fifty bucks a gallon. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Oh yeah. <laughs> for real. That's so, right. All you know, things it's ripen all in the valuable. Yard. It's all, all yeah. things ripe in the yard. All things. <laughs> um, you know, uh, everything's valuable. So you know, everything you're. That's why you keep everything natural, and you can recycle everything back into itself. You know, including your body. And then people are like, oh, but I don't want to build my soil from bringing in things from the outside. Well, then don't bring in things from the outside. Continuously use. All of the vegetation, the sticks, the everything from your plants to just keep adding and adding and adding. And then you're not bringing in anything from the outside. You don't need to worry about hops latent virus. You don't need to worry about pests or anything because it's soil. just coming in. And it may not be the first year, but it's pretty awesome to see if you like cut down all of your sticks and your branches and you put that in as soil aeration into your pots. Yeah. Like have, after have several strands. seasons... It's awesome, like all these lofty, beautiful pots because people are just adding all of their clippings and putting it all in there as aeration and just I have, recycling. I, I have, a, 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 I think, a, an, an interesting question just popped into my head. Nice. I know, have you guys ever, uh, have you guys, I'm sure you have, what is, when you, when you take a measurement, what is the pH of, does it vary of a, just a real good living regenerative soil or is it? Usually in a in a specific range. It's usually right. Changes on year over year. When you yeah. go with the supernatural like compost and organic saliva, so if you make your own or whatever, it's often just the right pH, just the right off without having to do anything. Absolutely. Which is think about it. Around seven to eight, to eight. I really I really love like I think that plants thrive if they're getting a really beautiful multi-ability to go to different areas in a pot, different areas in a soil bed. And I believe the same thing for us, a little bit more on the alkaline side. Yeah. I believe that. I'm always going to believe that. I believe that it makes larger crystals. I believe that I it pH, I pH my food at seven every time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's another thing with Korean natural farming and fermentation. It's yeah. like it's an acidic fermentation. That's right. And if you start getting excited because, oh, my God, look at all these nutrients, yeah. you start overdoing it and you over acidify your soil for sure. The whole yeah. thing. thing but the, 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 I'm with you, though. What I what I have found is, is that big, fast growing cannabis plants really like. And almost neutral. They, they like that high six pH. 
I mean, they'll grow down to 5.8. They'll grow fine at 6.0. They'll grow fine. At, but really, when, when, the, when the surrounding soil is more like 6.5, that's when they get strong. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we don't, we don't really test it anymore with testers. We just taste it because we do make really big vats of teas. And now, like Josh said, we don't even add it, add it to our garden beds or to our cannabis or our hemp anymore. It's all going to our surrounding environments. We're watering all of our fruit trees. We're doing living uh, garden fences and we're watering those with the teas. We're really now expanding the use of our teas and we were really focused on our teas. And if people watch us in our progression, now they'll see that we talk so much about soil because, wow, we don't really do anything. Literally, we water our beds in super heat, hot, hot summers, maybe twice. Minimal. The because entire the summer. high carbon, all it does is turn into a sponge. It's a biological sponge. And everyone that we've, you know, helped, you know, transform their, their selves, they're just like, wow, I'm using way less water. I'm not having to do very much. This is crazy. So and those are all people, these mushrooms? Yeah. And why are all these mushrooms coming up? And wow, this is super exciting. And then you can inoculate a bunch of the mushrooms. And then the exchange is really beautiful for indoors, especially because the mushrooms extract CO2. The plants breathe in CO2. So then again, here now you have a beautiful regenerative oxygen system which, which the fungi uh, inhale oxygen yeah so you don't have so to bring the, in the, CO2. the mushrooms are the opposite of the plants so it's the duality of the kingdom <laughs> well i really admire you guys and i hope that i get get a chance to come up and visit you on your farm yeah. and, oh, I, and, I, and i want to suggest that people out there listening that uh want to get more into organic farming a deeper level of organic farming that they definitely check out your products and your teas um, they come with a lot of experience and everything I'm sure is made on the mountain on the farm from your own from it's what am I trying to say farm to table yeah, yeah <laughs> yes absolutely and uh, so uh, wow I, I, I think I, I, I can't think of a better time to just thank you guys for coming on and being my first episode of the uh, of the second season and um let's just keep in touch i hope you'll follow me and follow my garden and give me some tips and pointers along the way and uh and let's keep in touch and uh, like i said i admire you guys so much for just uh pointing people towards clean living you know that's that's nobody there's no perfection there's no right way like you say but Learning how to better live a cleaner life and eliminate heavy metals and and garbage from large conglomerates and such. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you, thank, thank you, so you. Much. thank you so much. We feel so totally honored to be invited here and have this beautiful conversation and make this final connection with you. You are absolutely invited to our farms. Now we have two farms that um, we are working on right now, and it's super exciting as our family expands. We're now grandparents, um, and that's been really awesome and amazing. And, and on the farm, traditional home birth style. Yeah, and just 
It's just been, we're, we're living the life out here, but you know, it involves a tremendous amount of work. And no matter where you are on the planet, whether you have a tiny backyard, whether you have a tent, it doesn't matter. When, when you're growing plants, you're connecting to this medicine. You're can, there is no wrong way to do it. The more natural ways that you can do it, sure, it's better because it's better medicine. But there's no wrong way to do it. And we just want to encourage people to grow your own medicine and the work that you're doing and putting out into this universal flow and collective consciousness is only bettering the whole planet because more people are smoking and ingesting a sentient being, which only rises everybody up. And we want people to really have fun with it. And we want people to talk to each other about it and share information and, uh, you know, just really enjoy it because it's the inspiration that really creates change. And, and there is no end game to being, you know, a certain type of grower. It's all just trying new things. So. And if you want to learn more about regenerative growing, please check out the hashtag DemPure. We have a certification that's a regenerative certification. It's free, it's community monitored, it's community run, it always has been. It's just about recognizing all of us out there who are using natural systems. All of those people are experts. We just bow in their presence of the work that they're doing all over the planet. So if you wanna learn more about that, check out DemPure Farms. DemPureFarms.com is the website for our regenerative cannabis certification, which also has a tremendous amount of information on natural living and dragonflyearthmedicine.com is our products page and buy all dem pure flower in the dispensary because you know Support. that it's of utmost integral intentional flower and medicine and that you could possibly find and they're healing humans while healing the planet and don't forget to add grow your own weed at home. Grow, Grow your, your own, own weed. weed. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Many blessings.